Yoshinori Ono appears to have been demoted at Capcom. We further clarify the details on this as well as respond to some Twitter accusations about our coverage. Plus, Samurai Spirit has been revealed, Ryu has been dethroned as Street Fighter V's most popular online character for the first time in 17 months, I'm still not having fun with Street Fighter V, and more on this week's Event Hub's podcast. Perfect! Alright guys, thank you for joining us again. Uh, as always, I'm John. This is John. We're going to talk about some fighting game news and happenings and culture and all that good stuff on today's podcast. One of the first things we want to jump into is a little bit of an update from what we talked about last week. I was feeling kind of down in the dumps, especially about Street Fighter V. A little bit hopeless about it, I suppose. And uh, actually, it was pretty cool. A lot of people <laughs> reached out either through comments. Um, I had some people just private message me, um, and some people tried to like strike up an entire conversation. Others just dropped, uh, you know, little comments about, you know, we'll try this, or I agree with you, or you know, it was a whole rainbow of different reactions to it. But it was really nice to see that one people are are listening, and uh, and two, you know, that they that they care about that kind of stuff. So here we are a week later. I actually just got off about an hour grind of Street Fighter before I started here, and uh, I'm, I am i don't want to jump on to social media or, or this platform or anywhere and say, man, this game just objectively sucks. So, because there's a lot of people that do that, and there's some, like, it's fun to do that because you can say, well, I've looked at every nook and cranny, and I've analyzed everything, and I've done everything perfectly, and here are the results. It's like, come on, you don't know for sure, Sanford Kelly, you don't know that, but, but... Well, and because, um, uh, well, PR Balrog earlier tweeted today that's like, he's just like, man, I just, I don't, I just don't really like the game. I'm not doing well at it. And I really like four and Sanford jumped in like, yeah, it's because the game sucks. And it's like, I, uh, where, where I'm at right now, I'm inclined to uh, be in the same ballpark as them. It's like, there's, well, I, I, and, and, and I'm still playing and I'm not presuming to know everything about the game and I'm still continuing to like, well, there might be a problem with me and my play and my approach or right now what I'm feeling like is it's my character, but I am, the, the one thing I can say with certainty is that I am not having fun most of the time when I play this game. Okay, that, that's a big issue. And, and um, I, no matter what, when you're playing a game, it should be fun. And I've talked to multiple pro players over the years and they've all said the same thing. They're like, look, like you can... Uh, Poor Sanford here, but I, I love this quote from him. Pick a top tier. Pick a top tier. Like, it's such an iconic and, and great quote in the fighting game community. And we bring up Sanford a bunch because he's been such an iconic figure. So we give him some crap here on yeah. the pod. But, you know, it's it's anyone we bring up like that, there's a lot of respect for what he's accomplished and done in the community. Sanford deserves a lot of props. But anyway, I digress. Um, if you're not having fun in these games, it's, it's so important that you find the fun factor or you move on to something else. You go play Guilty Gear, like some other people might be doing and um anyway um yeah uh and again there's nothing wrong with that you know there, there's there's a multitude of games to play out here for that reason uh but you you did mention that you're kind of feeling now and this is the first i've ever heard of you bash this uh dreadlock character here that uh likes to rage and devour well hour. yeah uh, you said that might be your character. well so <laughs> we'll get into this also a little bit later but until this weekend nikali had not won a single capcom pro tour offline event um, all season long, and then of course Phenom took uh, what was it called the mix-up, I believe, with Nikali. Mm -hmm. So that put him on the board uh, as taking home one ranking event. But I was like, you know, I'm not the best player in the world. I'm not the best Nikali player, right? But for for the lack of consistency that I've seen in my own results, and then I look around and I go, well, okay, so maybe I don't have the best chops, but I'm looking at like Phenom, and he's doing better than me, and he's getting like you know top aid at CEO and now he's won this ranking event and he's won a handful online and he won another one um, that was offline but he did it primarily with Guile but it's like well maybe the, it is like the character to an extent and then in looking at the specifics of like why are other characters consistent because there are players that are consistent and they either have a revolving yep. cast of characters or they primarily play a character that I think um, what the problem is is that the or, or what the solution for these characters are, is is that they negate the the just do it chaos of Street Fighter V enough so that they can be consistent. 
whereas a character like Nikali almost engages in that directly, whether he's on offense or defense, like he kind of relies on that. And so, you know, you're going to win sometimes, you're going to lose sometimes when it's like a just do it attitude and, and like we're just going to both hit a button at the same time and we'll see what happens. I'm like, that's not a very good test of skill and that's why it's not satisfying to win and it's especially infuriating to lose under those kind of circumstances. But it feels like Nikali's not going to be consistent because he thrives in that. Like he he does it both on offense and defense where he just, you know, you have to pick a thing and go for it. Whereas you have someone like maybe Minot that can zone people out long enough to to get enough damage where it's substantial, where she can consistently win based on like those kind of fundamental things. Or like Guile, where they're, they're, their zoning is so good that they're not having to deal with, you know, Balrog doing a rush punch and then being up in their face and like, there's really nothing right. you can do about right. it, stuff like that. I, no, I want to I want to interject here because I, I I agree with the heart of what you're saying, but it's it's uh, the classic phrase of it's true, but it's not accurate. Like in terms of because what you're what you're saying here is I, I agree about how Nikali plays, but there are some players who thrive under that situation where they are really great in the scramble and they understand fundamentally that hey, I'm gonna win more often than I lose if I can get the opponent in a scramble situation, and that's why they play Nikali. You know, and, and they're just fundamentally great at that. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that, and that's what I want to stress here. If you're fundamentally great at that, like, that's awesome. I can't do it, and I, I don't think that's personally a very good skill set for you either. Well, are they consistently again, that's winning with that approach, though? Like, can they take that to tournament? Phenom definitely is, yeah. But, but you yourself Phenom have said that Phenom winning. is not a consistent winner, like, and that was, like, a, like a maybe a month ago. Right. No, it's, it's consistent for Nikali. It's it, that's that would be kind of like the 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 nuanced answer I would give there. This guy got second place in E League. Uh, many well, people and, and, argue he should have won it. And that was it. season was that um, season one or two? Because that was that was uh, last year. That was last year. Okay, so like that's so when you be, still have yeah, things like anti air jab yeah. and stuff. And and like Nikali had yeah. some pretty dumb stuff. Season one, I, I look back on that and like that yeah. character was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dream King and I told you about that on a number of occasions like that. Yeah, your character's really sure. dumb. I mean, there are others with really fine. dumb stuff too <laughs> yeah, to, to but, counteract that's mm-hmm. making him not necessarily the best. But but yeah, so it's like, well, so if it's like, it's not, he's consistent for Nikali, it's like, okay, that's fair. But does that mean that like this character isn't going to be winning tournaments anytime soon? Because like, like sure, Phenom compared with skill and then, you know, the, it happened to be that he went, he won this time at a ranked event, but like, we're not seeing him win consistently outside of like maybe off our online tournaments and, and such. And it's like, maybe that character at best is like, well, he can maybe crack top 16, but he's never going to win. Like it's going to be once every like 50 times that he actually wins and gets through. And that's just dumb luck because he can't be consistent because yeah, he's scrambling so- or whatever all the time. Okay, so that's that's a thing. You know, it's it, these answers are much more nuanced than I think people kind of want to. They want a black and white mm-hmm. answer, and that will lead us into a next point that that we'll get into here about a Twitter discussion that that you and I both had. People often want like, hey, like, what is the answer? Yes or no? And it's like, okay, like there are yes or no answers in life, and there's plenty of them, but there's plenty of them that are like, well, maybe, you know. And and I'll I'll go back to a character like M Bison. And Bison's a fundamentally very strong character, and he hasn't won jack crap until Problem X put him on the map uh, again, so to speak, with uh, his Evo victory. And and he's been one of the consistently worst top-tier characters, um, or high-tier characters, wherever you want to put Bison on the list. He's ju- definitely up there in terms of Capcom Pro Tour results. He's been miserable in terms of how many times he makes a top eight or even does well. And he's not necessarily a scramble character. He's a dominant-type character, and he's more shenanigan well, Scrambles and stuff, trigger but, one, but that's not all of his game. Yeah, it's significant. That's not, it's not all of his game. Yeah, it's. I, I would put Nikali as much more of a scramble character well, than him. How so? And so, it, like in a reset uh, off of anti air jab, used to be very much a scramble situation. But like, I don't feel like he scrambles Bison, as much now. Yeah. Bison controls the match a lot more. He he has a lot more match control, and if you play fundamentally smart with him, and you don't you don't open yourself up, like you don't take risk, you don't have to take. Uh, Bison could play at a lot of ranges where he doesn't lose his turn, and he can control basically large portions of the match. And it's not really, as you mentioned, until he gets V Trigger one that he's in a scramble and trying to blow the other player up. So, yeah. So my point of this is that 
a lot of times people get caught up in like who's winning tournaments and other things, and that has so much to do with the player. Um, it's not that you're randomly seeing like you know Scrub Boy 15 win a Capcom Pro Tour event, you know, and and it's it's the same names we've we've heard through so many years of playing these fighting games. It's Infiltration, it's Tokido, it's Daigo, all the other usual suspects that are up there, and and yeah, they do have to pick a character that's good enough to win a tournament. Um, and I think again, you know, Nikali is definitely good enough to win. We just saw that. Um, and you know, there's there's a something to say about him not being that great again. But my point here more so is that you have to have a character that connects with you fundamentally. Are you hit a huge wall? And this is something Justin Wong has talked about, uh, even talked about in our column. And he's like, look, you can play a character that's top tier or whatever, but you're going to hit a wall where the game's not fun. They're not enjoying what you're doing. And you're not going to want to get past that wall anymore. You're going to be done with the game. Um, and, and that's different than a fundamental, I don't like the game. This sucks. I hate the way it plays, blah, blah, blah. Like that's a whole different story. If you're enjoying the game and you switch from, I don't like the game anymore because this care like I'm having these issues with it that's kind of I think that's unfortunately where you've hit right yeah, now could be uh you mentioned Twitter though we should probably keep jumping forward here yeah yeah it, we'll we'll continue the the days of our lives saga <laughs> of playing Street Fighter 5 because I will just say like the the classic thing is like I I think I was I was playing Monat or I was playing Bison or Vega whoever I was playing back in the day and I'm like guys I'm enjoying like Street Fighter 5 so much I told uh Dream King and and Raptor John Raptor here uh about it and, and they're like did you go on like a five win win streak at ranked and I'm like maybe <laughs> maybe I did you it's know? fun and to win then, sure uh, Yes, it's fun to win. And so, but I, again, I, even now I'm losing uh, and I'm winning. I'm having, you know, some mixed results and I'm still having a blast with the game. Uh, I, I found stuff I fundamentally love about the game, uh, it, but it, it does come in peaks and valleys. That's how the game is structured. But yeah, so anyway, to get into Twitter stuff, uh, we, we've had some people go at us here. It's, you know, the main subject of the pod today, uh, Ono's job change at Capcom and People were basically, you know, saying like, hey, the story is inaccurate or it's misleading and other stuff. And and we get that like we understand. But going back and forth on Twitter, I just kind of wanted to rant about the thing. Like it's fundamentally limited because of the 280 characters here. You want to have a nuanced and and, and informative discussion and, and be descriptive. And Twitter is actually horrible at that. Like the format just sucks for it. And it's actually one of the reasons we started the podcast is – we could take like a, a podcast you know, and like have the whole thing transcribed and put it in an article and it would be like 20 billion words long and no one would ever read it. But we found with the podcast, with our stats, like a bunch of people are listening to it. They love the pod. Uh, they're really into it. Like different mediums offer different advantages. So if you're pinging us on Twitter and we're not like heavily engaging like back and forth and like, you know, blah, blah, blah stuff, like realize like it's not because like we think you suck and you're the worst person ever. That could be the case. But it also could be that like, ah, this format format does not work very well what, what was the um, uh, yeah. what was the twitter post so it was a post of the uh, article and i think it was just like a follow-up right. tweet was it different from just using the full headline as the tweet uh, no, it's just so, a headline. It's just a headline. People felt like Ono had been like fired okay. basically from the headline we put out there, and it was just like, no, his his job has been replaced by Riozo, uh, which right. Well, so, so and when we began, because um, because you and I kind of collaborated on this article a little bit just to fact check each other and mm -hmm. make sure that everything was as kosher as possible. That was the first thing that we wanted to say, you know, I was like, okay, so the headline's going to have something to do with basically saying Yoshino, Yoshinori Ono is no longer the head of the fighting game division, which at like the root of all this uh, appears to be the case. Um, and and right. it's like it, that's that in and of itself, Yoshinori Ono is no longer head of fighting game division at Capcom. And, and just to clarify, it's the, the I want to not get in trouble with the wording of that, the head of where the fighting game division or the head of where the fighting games well are see helped. and that's so, where like, i'm he's going over the head like, yeah we didn't like, we wanted to a, like yeah. okay so that reads real easy and it's going to grab attention and everything right and and technically right. it's true but we were like okay there's a little bit of room we know how people are going to maybe take that let's be even more specific and at the end sacrificing like the the fluidity and the shortness and and, and and such of the headline we added in Yoshinori Ono is no longer head of the division that houses Capcom's fighting games and then yes. and so it's like we went out of our way to, to make sure that this was articulated from the get-go, because there are plenty of people on the internet, surprised, that only read headlines and then jump to comment sections or react or whatever. And then and yep. then the subheadline right Im immediately underneath it, Ono remains on board as a general manager. And then, of course, all the specifics and everything are, are laid out in the text. So it's like a lot of people read this and were like, Ono's out of Capcom. 
and and you go yeah. okay i get why you would want to jump to that because the the basic thing is here is essentially like ono gets demoted out of something you know in the fighting games right. uh department but to jump from ono is out of capcom and then to say that we articulated it as such i think is very erroneous like that's it's like no you're 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 in the wrong completely for taking that route, given the way that this is articulated. And if you look at, was it Game Informer picked up this article? Their headline was basically Yoshinori Ono no longer the head of fighting games at Capcom. Like they just, they went yeah. that route. And they're Game Informer. It's like, come on, you know? So, and, and I don't fault them for doing that. I just like, I know that people are going to, you know, take this in so in the wrong way. And they still did, even yeah. though we, we went out of our way to like try to avoid that. 280 characters is far more limiting than you would uh, imagine <laughs> i'll just say for twitter and it's like this stuff disappears into the ether so quickly it's so hard to have a meaningful and nuanced discussion with people on twitter and again it's it's why we do the pod it's we want to be able to to actually explain this stuff in detail and talk about it uh again uh, everyone wants black and white answers yes or no you know this is how it is type stuff and it's like life is not always that way you know again so I, I wanted to you know kind of talk about that a little bit uh we're happy to engage people on twitter uh happy to, to talk about the stuff uh but realize that there's kind of a certain point where engagement kind of becomes um for lack of a better term kind of shouting at a brick wall you know because it's like look like i'm not able to get my point across very well here i'm not going to spend five hours conversing with you on twitter about this uh it's fine if you disagree like disagree all up and down we still hear the feedback we still listen to it we may not agree but we're still listening to it so anyway so but let's let's get to more happy news here because we have samurai showdown uh we've got the the characters shown off like well, they were samurai kind of like spirit a, right so it's some kind of a, a samurai successor spirit, to samurai yeah. showdown but of course it's the same characters we've seen <laughs> thus far right. it's the same type of game as as far as we've seen in the trailer but yeah it's called samurai right. spirit we think so like we're we're, we're actually we're, we're curious now so you're 100 percent right but is that still accurate like in another week when they announce it like for the u.s audience and it's samurai showdown again because in japan it was always samurai spirits and oh, now like sure. so we're we're waiting yeah so it's it's like that that wonderful technicality and it's like okay hey that's another great example how do you explain that in 100 you know 280 <laughs> characters it's like well you know but anyway uh they showed off characters uh charlotte tam tam nakaruru uh han- handful of others like in the um uh, thing and i just the art style of the game looks so beautiful and i remember snk getting a bunch of crap for king of fighters 14 i don't want to get into that because it's you know they, they polished up the game it looked nice you know kind of thing but this game looks like so fantastic with it's just really brilliant and eye capturing like just present it looks like four. and it's like uh in, in a yeah, lot of the artistic yeah. like it's not a one for one it doesn't it's like no they didn't just take street fighter 4 and put you know like new costumes on but it it certainly echoed for and and i think there is something to do with like the ink following art style you know yeah. and move, and, like the ink yeah, follows yeah, their yeah. their movements and whatnot um, and the graphics, the graphics look good. They definitely look a little bit on the, in the cartoon realm, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, so they're not hyper real or anything like that, but they look nice for what they are. And, um, and, and I don't want to go too far down this, but like the, the characters were engaging in their, in like their, their facial expressions and like the moves oh, yeah. that they did. Like oh, yeah. there was something about this, this game. And, and, um, I never played outside of, I think once when I was like six or seven at a Walmart, I, I think I played a samurai showdown, like one match and lost, you know, um, in like an arcade machine cabinet. But outside of that, like I don't have any experience with the game. And so for, in, in a lot of ways, this was like the first time I've actually been exposed to, what Samurai Showdown is. I, I've, I've heard about it and read about it and you know seen references to it. But seeing it and being like, this isn't the first time that I've seen it, it was it was capturing in a way that games don't always capture me. And it's like, I don't know that I'm necessarily yep. going to play it, but damn it, if it didn't look cool with like the way the move interactions happen, the way that the characters move about, the blood coming out. When uh, it's Nakaruru, she like stabs you and she has like this look of apology as blood spatters on her face. And it's like, that's deep. And this is just like a second out of the trailer. And I'm like, whoa, that character has a lot of character behind them. I'm intrigued. I want to see how else they conduct themselves in different avenues of the game. So a really good first look for this as far as I'm concerned. 
Oh yeah, and I mean that's been the the sentiment online. It's been basically all I've seen is like, wow, this looks great. That they just nailed the presentation. And also, I, I want to mention that uh, it's a weapon based two D fighter. And I played Samurai Shodown two like quite a bit. It was one of my my favorite games back in the day. And the combat that that comes with this, uh, you know, we've got Soul Calibur for three D fighters, but a two D weapon fighter like that just hasn't happened basically since Samurai Showdown. As far as I know, there's probably others out there. Um, but again, just the way it plays is going to be like very different. Um, it, relatively speaking for fighting games and I'm just I'm so excited about it and I also want to mention that the announcer if people are not familiar with them the original announcer for Samurai Shodown 1 and 2 I forget like if they kind of kept the same person you know uh, throughout the series after that but he had such personality and flair like the <laughs> way he shouted out like and, and like and, and like earthquake and like I mean he would say like the character's names and just Add such inflection and, and and such a spice to him. Like my my friend and I were just like talking about that the other day. We're like, dude, like I remember KOing someone and just hearing him shout that. It's just like, and it was it was such a fun thing. And so it, it's it's funny how little touches like that can make such a big difference and an impression on us. And, and I mean, we're not even talking about playing the game yet, and yet the game is coming through as a shining like, wow, like I have to try this kind of thing. And and, and that is special. That's really what a lot of games need to kind of be hitting on, um, and the, it's it's hard to do. But like, I'm I'm just so happy for SNK. Uh, I'm really happy to see Samurai Shodown back in this fashion. And, do you think yeah. developers are making a special point now after like the 2016, 2017, you know, Ken's face in Street Fighter, and of course Chun Li and Dante and Marvel and such, uh. like going out of their way, and then and then SNK hits real close to home because they had uh, King of yeah. Fighters 14 look like it was a PS1 or 2 game when it was first revealed. So do you think they've really gone out of their way to make sure that the faces are, are captivating and realistic and that the fans approve of them because it's such a hot button kind of thing right now? I mean, I don't understand how you don't do that on every game you make. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's like, <laughs> look, I, when you go out like walking in, in you know, the woods or, or somewhere else or you're going out like anywhere, your, your eyes are naturally attracted to beautiful things. We don't we don't go and look at a swamp and be like, man, this is awesome. You know, and, and like, I, I can't believe how, how wonderful this looks and stuff like we're, we're naturally, you know, we want to see something attractive to our eyes. And, and so graphics are very important. Like I get it, you know, like graphics can be overstated in terms of what they bring to the table, but you look at Marvel versus Capcom Infinite and you go, okay, there were, you know, among other issues, but that was a very strong issue people put out there. Mm -hmm. So again, I, to answer your question, I hope so, but I also would hope that's like the kind it's of the like standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's unacceptable to have anything but this come out in, with your game. Uh, and, and that actually, yeah, yeah I just, yeah. so the so. takeaway there though, is that the fact that people are talking about the positives and not hung up on something small, but of, of obviously very important, like a, like a character's face is a really good look. Um, if we look over the last couple of launches and, 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 um, reveals and such for brand new games, uh, you can see, you know, how the different paths games can take. And this is a very good first chapter, first step for Samurai Showdown spirit. Yes, whatever it happens to be, <laughs> good call. Uh, we also had Dead or Alive 6 um, get a, a confirmed release date of February 15th, mm. tw uh, 2019, which is great. Uh, we can see some more stage hazards in the trailers. We got to see Marie Rose. Uh, if I... I uh, botch any of these names do bear with me here uh, Hanoka, Ayane, Bayman and Nayo Tengu were also shown in the trailer uh, to me the graphics look really nice in Dead or Alive 6 like it's uh, Dead or Alive has always looked pretty darn good um, read into that how you will <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I just uh, hung myself out to dry or not on that but anyway uh, the graphics on the game look pretty darn nice uh, it, it definitely looks like a, a, you know this generation title um, you know it's if the art style is your thing or not you know it's kind of up to you but I think that overall most people be pretty pleased with how you know the game is shaking out i'm still waiting for them to add all the tna back into the well, game because i just i think yeah. that them releasing it on february 15th is yet another statement that they're trying to move away from the tna because if it's a waifu game you want your game coming out on february 14th for all the lonely people that want to just you know hang out with their waifus and don't have someone significant in real life <laughs> they're dropping it on the day after that so I think that's gotcha. yet another statement that this is not about the, the TNA. This is about fighting. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, I'll believe it when I see it. So yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, Dead or Alive 6 looks great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think that the Dead or Alive franchise has a really nice place in the fighting game community. And I'm happy to see it come back. And, um, and yeah, it was, um, I'll just, I'll remind people of the, um, 
very tearful kind of end of of uh, Dead or Alive Five, where they were like, "Hey, we're gonna have an announcement." I think it was at uh, like a big E yeah. tournament. Um, I forget it was. Yeah, uh, I forget what it was. Um, and it's just like you know, we're gonna have an announcement, and it was like all the developers on there like crying about like how their game is kind of ending, and they weren't literally crying, but everyone was very sad, and it was just like it was a very dark moment. And and just the Dead or Alive franchise has always had good support from our community. Um, it's not my favorite game, but I still respect it for what it is, and I still respect the people who play it. And it's just it's I'm glad to see it back. Overall. Absolutely. So so. All right, so another thing we had come up is we actually had Sagat overtake Ryu for the first time since January 2017 in Street Fighter V popularity. So this is the first time that Ryu hasn't been the number one online played character? I'm sorry, second time, second time, my apologies. Um, Akuma actually did it uh, back in January 2017. Uh, yeah, so it's it's since 2017, it's been the first time Ryu's been okay. beaten. And then in the history of the game, it's happened twice. Akuma was the first person to do it at, at that date. And then uh, besides that, and they've actually only been keeping track of stats here since October 2016. Um, and yeah, so it's it wasn't since the game launch, that was February, but it's Well, been it's probably a safe bet too. Like it makes sense that Akuma, a character like Akuma might overtake uh, Ryu just because of his history and his legacy and the fact that he was still pretty good um, as, and so people would be encouraged to play him on all those different fronts and then Sagat it, it seems like it's a, a character that has history and legacy and he's not necessarily that good uh, as far as the community is mm-hmm. concerned right now but I will still, still still say that he is on that he's like straddling the is he viable and so people are going to be encouraged to continue to try to check that out and see what's up and um, he's very fun so that's yeah. that's what he's got going for him. Although Bonchan uh, was Sagatless, as far as I know, in the uh, this past weekend, yeah, playing Karen. Yeah, he's playing him. He's playing him in Topanga, um, but he's only playing Karen and Ash right now in CPT mm-hmm. events. I don't know if we're going to see the King come out elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I also have to throw out an obligatory reference to um, V Skill Uppercut because if we don't you know, hype up how um, incredibly fun that is. Like, people are going to forget about it. It's just, just go do it once in training mode and you're going to be hooked. <laughs> That's what comes to God as number one in the, <laughs> the popularity rankings. Literally that one thing that puts him up there. Um, but he, uh, so Ryu was uh, number one for 17 months in a row. Uh, and, and that's, that's again, the king. He came in there and, and dethroned him. Um, and it's just crazy. And, and almost 10% of the online matches that, that were logged in August uh, were using Sagat. And, and so Ryu was very close to that with 9%, but still, I mean, again, it's it's almost two years here we've been running with all the other DLC characters that have been released, and, and Sagat beats them. And I'm just like, wow, like that is, that's profound. Right. So then my question to you is, I okay, I are, I'm going off the uh, assumption that Sagat will not keep this for forever, that Ryu is still the poster boy. Um, and, yeah. and something else yeah. to keep in mind is that players have to download Sagat. Like, you have to buy him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's yep. got an, an additional obstacle in front of him. So it's even more kind of amazing when uh, when a character overtakes the uh, number one spot in their DLC. Uh, but will Sagat at least extend his reign as the number one played character into this, well, this current month now through September? Or is it just like a no. one-time thing? You know, for no. sure, no? It's a one-time thing. Uh, I would I would bet a couple hundred bucks on that, you know, and uh, I'd probably be right. It's it, he he beat Ryu. Um, that's great, and everyone wanted, wanted to try Sagat when he first came out, and now they're gonna you know move back. But I still think he'll be one of the more popular characters. Um, I think it's like you know Ryu Kinakuma pretty much at the top of the list every every month. I think we're gonna see Sagat like probably in the top ten at the very worst, maybe even top five. Um, he's pretty popular, which is it's a home run for mm-hmm. Capcom, as you say, because you know people have to download him, they have to buy him. You know that's how they get him. Or you know use fight money on him or whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. You want to see those DLC characters up there in popularity. I think that's one of the biggest metrics that you'd want to follow if you're Capcom because, like we've talked about before, these are your your money makers now, or or at least a big part of that. And so if you see Falk at number 30, you know, or or something like that, that, that's not a good thing for you financially and whatnot. But if you get people that are consistently playing these characters and, and continuing to, not only does that mean, well, you cashed in, it's that that's going to encourage other people that might not have done it so far. It's like, well, hey, there's something here. Maybe you should buy it too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Yeah, um, I'll just remind people too that when a new character drops, most people lose the majority of their matches with them. If you go and look at the stats, like I think the god is either the worst or sure. second worst. I think he's the worst, like behind uh, G, and that's normal. G is a very good character. We're seeing him in tournament now. Um, there's a very good case to be made that he's a top ten character in the game. Uh, but I just want to remind everyone that the learning curve is universally real. It hits nearly everyone, unless you're like that really godlike guy who who takes brand new uh, DLC characters and ranks them to diamond like in 24 hours or whatever I forget his name offhand but he's amazing um, but like most other people they really struggle with these characters when they first come out there's so much um, corporate knowledge that's been built up with the other cast members it's very hard to, to wrap your head around it and I don't I wouldn't actually consider like even G like unbelievably technical or difficult um, Sagat's more so um, but even then like people are really struggling with these characters that, that like you know sure because they're so. not used to them yeah that makes sense yeah. So moving right along, uh, you did a piece here, which we kind of talked about a little bit before, and that was the which Street Fighter Five characters have the most Capcom Pro Tour wins this season. I kind of wondered why you went into that piece and, and if you had some additional thoughts about yeah, it. Yeah, that was just after DreamHack had finished up, and um, it was I think it was Justin Wong's first premiere win uh, this season, and actually it turns out it's his first premiere win ever. I don't think Justin Wong's ever won a premiere tournament. Um, on the on the Capcom Pro Tour throughout the uh, the history of the tour itself, and so that got me thinking about well, um, this is another victory for Minot, and uh, I wonder how many she has. I wonder how many Cami has, because people are going to assume that Cami's got these most wins, but I can't remember anyone any Cami's winning outside of uh, Combo Breaker, um, and and as far as premier events, I think Cami only has the one victory, and so uh, here I'll I'll pull up the. Um, the story right here in front of me, so I have the stats. But uh, yeah, it turns out that with this weekend, and these, this is updated through the the three events that happened this past weekend, uh, Minot has three premier wins and two ranking wins, making her more than uh, giving her more than anybody else. Second place is mm -hmm. Ibuki with two apiece, and then Guile has one premier win. I think that was Daigo, and then four ranking wins. Bison's taken two ranking, and then. He hasn't taken a premiere per se, but he won Evo, and I just attributed that as a premiere win because I thought, well, you know, that's we're, we're, we're measuring, like, how many difficult tournaments have these characters won. Well, Bison took Evo. That's even harder than, than your average premiere, so I, I, I attributed him right. there. And then Akuma with one premiere and two ranking wins, and I think most of that's all Tokido. Um, Rashid, yeah. same stats, one premiere and two rankings. Then uh, Kami is tied with Armika. For, for and sh they're both one and one. They've both won one premiere and one mm -hmm. ranking, and it's like that's pretty crazy because we've seen plenty of camis. We've seen plenty of camis in the latter portions of brackets, uh, so people are taking her into like top sixteen, top thirty-two, and and the, she's certainly had her fair share of top eight, but she's not winning, which is an interesting mm -hmm. you know, and, and and you know we can dig into that further and kind of see what possible avenues come out of that. But it, the fact of the matter is, Cammy's not winning. Um, not like Minot is, not like Ibuki is, Guile, um, and even Bison, Akuma, and Rashid have more victories in the Pro Tour over her. Now, I mean, there's a lot to be said here. It's like, well, she's just not getting first place at events. The, the, there are other ways to assess characters and, and their how good they are and, and, and how easy they are, things like that. Right. Every every character usage story, I think we've ran for season 3.5, I think Kami has been number one. I, I think every single one, and I, we're probably around like 20 of those stories right now, uh, and usually Kami is leading the pack by a good amount right, of, right. you know, so a good amount of distance, Something to so. take from there. Um, also, I should mention that these stats don't include online uh, online events just because, you know, the the... the Outcomes for online events have been pretty significantly different, and and everyone I think agrees that the competitive, you know, arena changes a significant amount online just because of lag and things like that. Um, but if you were going off that, uh, Abigail has a win, Minot has a win, Fang has a win, and then Guile has three, Nikali has four, Colleen, Akuma, and Balrog all have one. Um, and so, uh, so that, that's just there. And you guys can check out the article, um, for all of the details and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, so it was interesting, um, just to take a look at it and <laughs> ha ha, Minot has the most, more than anybody. <laughs> She's still fair and legitimate. You Well, you <laughs> and going, <laughs> and going back to what we were talking about earlier about Street Fighter V, my theory as to why a character like Minot would have that is because, um, she doesn't have to get her hands as dirty in terms of engaging mm -hmm. in yes. the, the just do it isms of, of stuff like you know you'll, you'll still get in on Minot she has her weaknesses and whatnot but 
she gets to play from far away from you and a lot of the stuff that she does um, and i think that this is probably a characteristic of the top tiers in this game is that they don't have to engage in those uncertainties as much as other characters do so she can you know pester you from far away or or you know not risk as much as she tries to get damage off of you as compared to someone like you know nikali who who has to get in there and and you know put his neck out in order to try to get anything out of it characters like monot yes. and guile don't and so like characters that can either fight from a distance where they're very comfortable and really control things so aka a strong zoner um don't have to deal as much with the just do it's or the characters that maybe just smother you like i think ibuki kind of does that where she can get in with Mm -hmm. a just do it move the ex kunai and then go crazy on you and kind of scramble about uh she gets to do it so well that she overcomes the uh i guess like the the mix-up or the randomness factor of like how are the scrambles going to go she she wins it more often than not and therefore that puts her up there in those uh in that top echelon of characters yeah, I, I totally agree. It's you're mitigating basically someone's opportunities to just random you out. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a big thing. That's a character that specializes in controlling that. And I'll also throw out there what I mentioned before, too. You're taking a character like Manat and putting him in one of the lamest fighting game players ever, like hands. And, and, and like by lame, I mean like they just try to like play super defensive, take no risk with their moves, and, and do other things, and that's Justin Wong. He is a specialist in lame play. The classic Evo moment 37 where rare footage of Daigo actually angry is because Justin had played the entire round by doing super safe moves and doing hit confirms into super and other things like that and almost nothing else and had whittled Daigo down to uh, almost no life. And then, you know, again, uh, you know, the Perry moment happened and whatnot. It was super lame play, really boring. Justin was kind of notorious for putting people to sleep and uh yeah anyway so uh you're taking a character that does that very well uh and and putting them in the hands of a player that does that very well too and it's just that that good marriage there uh same thing with infiltration infiltration is very crafty very he's always doing something to kind of bait stuff out and again it's a it's a good thing monot is is you know very proficient with and you compare that to someone like sako who has been winning with monot too but he's much more offensively based mm-hmm. um monot's a damn good character she can be played in a variety of, of ways very strong overall uh, well and, I just, and yeah, yeah and she's so. a character that we're seeing multiple uh, different players win with and we have at least Sako yes. and Infiltration and Justin Wong Ibuki yes. primarily Fujimura Guile has been like Cien. Cien oh and Shin well, yeah. yeah but Shin hasn't been yeah. winning I don't know if Shin is, is, is any of those of those victories yeah he he doesn't travel as much. He's he definitely has. I think he might have a, a few wins in there, but I'm not sure. Uh, I I know he has some very. I know he has multiple top eight placements. But yeah. sure, yeah. But um um, and then you got Guile, who uh, I think the two big Guiles. Well, you got Knuckledew. Um, you have uh, Daigo, who's won a premier event. I don't know if he won any of the rankings or not. Um, and then you have Kaba. I, I don't think he attends rankings. Yeah, and Kaba. Yeah, I don't think Daigo attends ranking events. I think he's only premier. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these characters are are this. A lot of this um, is being done by like one or maybe two players. And then you mm-hmm. have Minot, who's got at least three that are proficient with her. So um, there might be something, and I haven't sat and thought about it enough to really, you know, draw a lot of conclusions out of that. But something to uh, to kind of chew on for people and such. Yeah, I think that the. Um the only person I could think of offhand who's kind of like the the solo, um, and even then it doesn't work. I was going to say Armika. I was thinking of Fudo, but then there's Luffy. Um, like uh, there's there's not too many people like who are just kind of like that one character that's like they're kind of like known for that one character and they're like the only person who kind of wins with them but uh but yeah it's it's definitely a data point to look at um it's interesting it's uh, if you follow pro sports you always have these data points that you look at and if you look at them under a different lens or a different way you see different results and yeah it's it's it, but it's good stuff to do i'm glad to see the fighting game community do it more um it's something we really need to examine more because the data here will provide great information and all, help us all level up and understand these games a lot better mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So moving right along to the crux of the podcast here, uh, Ono's job title changed at Capcom. And we wanted to examine basically what this may mean for the future of Street Fighter and kind of Capcom fighting games. And there's there's so much here that we could have kind of like, uh, we're we're possibly going to revisit this actually on the website and a few other articles. Um, But I will just say that uh, Ryozo Tsuchimoto, like that's a name and a face that the fighting game community should get familiar with. I don't know how much he's going to step into the limelight, but I know with Monster Hunter, he's been a very big presence Mm -hmm. there. Um, This gentleman is 44 years old. He's going to be 45 
25 years old here in October, uh, and he happens to be the son of Kenzo uh, Sujimoto, who is the CEO of Capcom. And uh, his brother is the president of Capcom, Haru. Um, and Ryozo owns almost 4% of Capcom. Like, that's a big deal. Uh, he's one of the top stockholders in the company. Um, and the lesson here, folks, is that uh, if you sell 8.3 million copies of Monster Hunter, you're a really big deal. Uh, you you have put yourself on the map. Like, Monster Hunter's always been successful. But, like, this is like, holy smokes, like, you better take note of this guy. Um just listening to his interviews and, and just studying up a little bit more of the guy, uh, I, I get a very heavy impression of like a Sakurai uh, Harada type, very talented, extremely intelligent. Um, just not much gets by this guy. Uh, I, I highly recommend just watching an interview with him. He's got a sense of humor. He's a gamer. He understands his stuff. Like it, it's he's very. I liked him like immediately. Like wow, this guy's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good part is like if you're a fan of Capcom fighting games, he shouldn't be going anywhere. It's a family business for them. Uh, um, you know, he it looks like he's going to be staying there and it looks like he's going to be staying very heavily in, in on the game development side and not just trying to, you know, rock, rock it up the, the corporate ladder, so to speak. Um, he sounds like he really wants to be involved with this stuff. And, and so, yeah, it's it's a changing of the guard. And we have Yoshinori Ono on, on the other end, who is seen by many and, and rightfully so as the kind of the savior of the fighting game community in some respects. I know Tekken fans might, you know, dispute that a little bit with uh, Harada because he kept going, you know, uh, through that time. But from Third Strike to Street Fighter 4 is really where the fighting game community kind of revitalized itself. Mm-hmm. And so many people correctly attributed that to Ono. Um, he was a huge part of it. Obviously, some very talented and wonderful people at Capcom during that era as well um, and had a big part of making this go. Um, but yeah, we we really wanted to unpack this a lot more because there's so much to the story uh, that we kind of want to get out there. Um, but so you wrote the story, and I kind of wondered, like, what were your impressions, like, right off the bat of of what happened with Ono? Like, what do you think happened with him? Well, first off, this happened a while ago, and it happened very quietly. Whatever it was that happened, it happened very quietly to the point where it took us digging into the investor relations reports and going through a whole bunch of different pages, most of which are all linked in the article, um, to say like, hey, Yoshinori Ono was this, and he had this title and was in charge of this at this time, and then all of a sudden he had a different title, which seems to be uh, you know, slightly below or beneath the one that he had before, and then um, Rioso had uh, you know, like taken that title uh, and and was essentially promoted to that. And you look at the dates and stuff, and it was more of like a a narrative that we had to piece together and and also kind of fill in the gaps with. Well, this might have been what happened when you look at the Monster Hunter and Street Fighter and Capcom timeline. And there's so there's been some disputes over that. I I, I just want people to understand we we did our homework here and we heavily looked into this. Um, and uh, High Fight, who does great work, he does highlights online and stuff. He he mentioned on Twitter that basically Ono and Riozo's job title are somewhat closer. And it is interesting. It's an odd discrepancy that's happened. But if you look at Ono's personal LinkedIn page, uh, and we're gonna flesh this out quite a bit more, you'll see that there's a kind of an odd timeline here of when he when he went from being the head of consumer games divisions. Uh, to um, to basically general manager of that division, mm-hmm. and, and that's the division that that it doesn't say fighting game like you know in it, yeah, but that's the division yeah. that houses fighting game division or that houses fighting games, and therefore, if you are I guess the lead of that division, you would essentially be the lead of fighting games. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I think it's a hundred percent fair statement to make, but we tried to avoid saying that outright because we felt it could be potentially misleading. Mm-hmm. We we really do try to be careful about the stuff of how we state it. It's it's a hundred percent fair if you ask me, but that's more opinion based than it is you know like fact based. Well, hey stuff, man, we even articulated yeah. it further in the headline, and people still were like, "Does this mean Ono's gone? I'm glad he's gone. I'm yeah. sad he's gone. It's like he's <laughs> super not gone." But yeah. yeah, he's he's very, very heavily involved in the scene. So um, so speaking of, of job titles and, and differences here, uh, it's very important to point out that in April, that is the beginning of Capcom's fiscal year. And, and that means that the, their year starts on April, ends in, in uh, March. Mm-hmm. And what you'll see is if you look over Ono's job histories, you'll see that he got promoted every single year in April. Um, right when I mean he went from like back in 1994 he was a sound engineer um, and you know that lasted for six years and then again in April he's promoted to R&D um, that's uh, 
excuse me, six years after that, and then another four years after that, he's promoted in April. Like he was promoted. Let me April see. April first is times. promotion day, which is hilarious because uh, I bet there's a lot of trolling that goes on. <laughs> yes, there you go. But, uh, but yes. <laughs> especially with so Ono, right? Consistently yeah. leveling up on uh, April first, or at least in April. Like, and and that makes sense because that's when Capcom's financial year, or fiscal year begins. Yes, and, and and that's universal throughout the company. Uh, you see that. So what happens here is now we look at November 2016, and we see that that Ono became the head of of the consumer game division, uh, what Ryozo's title is right now, in April 2014. But it ended in November 2016, not on their fiscal year. And that's one of the few times in Ono's entire job history here on LinkedIn that that is followed that pattern it's always been in march mm-hmm. it's always ended in march right when their fiscal year ends and april you know begins and so that's like okay what happened there you have a complete pattern here of eight other times where it's not done that way and now for the first time it's been done that way and you go okay what's going well, on here? earlier that and, year street fighter 5 released and it was rocky as hell Yes. And we already know about the sales and other things like that. So it's people pointing this out and saying like, hey, this is not accurate because blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, look, like it's straight up on Ono's LinkedIn page. And there is if you if you look at the, the details of this, like there's some stuff that's odd. Now, are we 100 percent sure that Ono got demoted or stepped down or something like that? Um, no, but like it's like 99% sure that like, yeah, something happened and it, it, it defies the pattern that we've seen. And maybe there's some other crazy explanation that's out there that somehow fits this, this, um, you know, timeline and stuff, but it doesn't make any sense if, you know, from what we've seen. Um, and so the, the, the position is basically vacated as far as we can tell from November, 2016 until I think it was March or no, it would be April. It, was April, right? it would be April that's when the, of the, um, the year starts, right. Of yes, this year. It, Yes. Uh, and so uh, Riozo is promoted into that position on April 1st of 2018. Uh, he actually became a corporate officer in 2014. Just so you guys know, he was moving up the ladder. Uh, Monster Hunter has been a big deal. Um, I don't know when he got all of his stock. I don't know if you know how that happened and what, mm-hmm. you know, some of this stuff is not very well documented on the uh, Capcom Investor Relations website. Um, but uh, so he steps in basically after Monster Hunter just kind of starts to explode. And just to take people back a little bit here, um, it was January 2018 where Monster Hunter, it was like three days after the game shipped, it had shipped 5 million units and set a record for the most units shipped in the first three mm-hmm. days uh, at Capcom. That's huge. The reigning, That's really the reigning huge. Capcom champ at the time, too, was Resident Evil 5, right? Obviously, writing the success of the wave of Resident Evil 4, everyone and their mother went out and bought Resident Evil 5, and I think it had something like 6.2 or something like that, million copies sold. Yeah, um, and then March 5th, uh, 2018 happens, and Monster Hunter becomes the top-selling Capcom game of all time. Beat it out. Beating out Street Fighter Two, beating out anything that's ever been done. And I, I I don't think anyone predicted that. I don't think anyone even at Capcom well, probably predicted that. Because Monster Hunter was mm. such a Japanese game. Like, w- now we go back and we kind of do our research. Like, whoa, where did this game come from? Because it's kind of new to America in a lot of ways. Like, of course, people knew about it and stuff. But for the most part, it was like everyone was playing Monster Hunter on their uh, PS, was it Vita or P's or something like that? In Japan, like, that was the, the big hotness. You know, like, that was a thing. To the point where they actually added a Monster Hunter ride at Universal Studios Japan. Like, it was huge there. Right. But their extension right. didn't seem to be out in worldwide until aptly named Monster Hunter World drops this year, and, and it really hits at least America, and I have to assume in other places as well, it really reaches out over the world. And just as they had imagined, this is a good enough franchise and it's executed well enough that it it can be our best game ever and and here we are it's the fastest game to get to this point and it, it's now sitting at like 8.2 million units sold something yeah, 8. like that. 8.3 yeah. great yeah. <laughs> so yeah. as of as of january 30th 2018 i got a note on here about it it's just like it's so mind-blowing it's i i or as of the gravity it came of that out statement. january yeah. right it, as of yeah oh jeez. It, it, it's it's that is amazing sure. that's the kind of success where where you know nintendo um microsoft sony the biggest players in this industry would look at riozo and say hey uh are you sure about your career at capcom mm-hmm. because that's unbelievable that's sales numbers that any of those companies would be freaking thrilled with yeah. uh and so that's i just want people to understand that's like this is not like a, a minor deal that that 
this is a number one selling Capcom game ever. The, the amount of gravity and weight that that has is tremendous. Um, this guy is a, a shooting star uh, from everything I can see. Um, and, and now he's leading fighting games, as far as I can tell. Now, how involved is going to be with the day-to-day stuff? I don't know. Um, but that's something we kind of got into in the piece is like all of a sudden we, we've kind of seen a changing of the guard, so to speak, a little bit here with Street Fighter V. We've been getting some quality of life improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been getting, you know, the DLC characters are coming out with more hype and more energy. And, and you know, we, we've attributed that to some other things in the past, like Capcom kind of catching up, so to speak. Um, and, and that's probably part of it. It's it's rarely just one person, you know, that that is um, that's, you know, directly uh, influencing everything that's happening. It's usually multitudes of factors, but at the same time, this also matches up with Riozo's timeline, and we know this guy's a, a rock star, basically, and it's like, okay, like, how much of this is due to this guy? So let me play the role of the chorus here a little bit and kind of ask you, um, if I'm, like, just a reader and such, I, I look at this, and my first reaction is, oh, no's gone, oh, no, right? And then, and then right. I, but I'm not stupid, and so I read all of the words, and I figure out, oh, that's not the case, but there has been some kind of a change. But as far as, well, he went from head of consumer games development division two to general manager of management department two and SF business, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like there's, there's not a lot of significance into that except for the fact that it's different. And so I go, well, how much of a change is there? Because I've seen Ono still doing, you know, this, this all happened a while ago, like when Ono was I guess demoted or what we're looking at is possibly demoted. That was in 2016. And he's obviously still been tweeting, although not as much as he used to, but still been tweeting out about like, you know, Blanc has got something in his pocket and he's been the one still the right. face. He still right. shows up at events. He still does the sure you can thing. He was at Evo when we, he was the one that announced G and Sagat. So it's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, I see Ono when he pops up on Twitter and when he announces things and I'm still seeing that. So it seems like, well, he's still kind of in the same place. And I don't know what this change of title, what that means as far as the details of what jobs he's doing or not doing anymore. How much of an impact does this have on me? Right. And there's a there's a long winded answer I'm going to give you on this one. And that is some people don't know that that some some people back at Capcom were not huge fans of Ono and some of the stuff that he did. Now, he had some health issues here back in 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. And and he he actually I mean, he was working his butt off. Um, you know, the Street Fighter 4 is in its heyday. Um, you know, they're doing Street Fighter Cross Tekken. They've got Ultimate Marvel. They've got all this stuff going on. And, and Ono ends up fainting and, and being taken to the hospital uh, because he's just been working his butt off. And, you know, he comes bouncing back. He does, um, you know, he does a little bit of a press tour here uh, with Capcom's, you know, PR agents in tow. And kind of putting stuff out there. And it seemed like a lot of that stuff kind of got swept under the rug, so to speak. But just because it's swept under the rug doesn't mean it's not still there. Um, We don't know for sure if his health stuff played into it. But I I know that Ono made some statements at the time that were probably ruffling some feathers back at the company. Uh, I spoke with some Capcom staff members who will remain nameless. And I will just say that they they chimed in and said that, uh, that his everyone I think respects Ono's marketing ability and his ability to hype up the the fighting game audience. And, you know, he does autograph sessions and he does really good announcements. Everyone loves, you know, hearing him come out there and everyone has a pretty good Ono impression, except for probably me, Um, you know, that they love to do. And he's just, Ono's just, he's so full of life and energy. It's really hard not to love him. Uh, And yet he has some people back at Capcom uh, that, weren't so thrilled with him and and during Street Fighter V's development you saw him take a pretty big back seat um and that was far as as far as I know by design uh by a few people there um I will just say that his nickname one of his nicknames here is is Trollno um and I think that's something maybe the some of the people at Capcom didn't exactly like either uh that he would kind of troll the user base with certain announcements that weren't really anything um and and people kind of got pissed off and felt like Capcom was lying to him and doing other things like that like it's you have someone who's basically the, the head and the face of, of fighting games. And there's a huge team of people that works on this stuff. They all have a lot of pride. Uh, they all have some egos here. Uh, ono getting a lot of the spotlight, I think, did not necessarily sit well with everyone. Um, and again, so I'm, I'm talking around some of the stuff here. Uh, I haven't gotten permission to go on record about this stuff with, with the people who've kind of told me. So I'm kind of just, this is what I'm able to say here. Um, 
So I, it's and again, I want to I want to state very clearly that that Ono is not like hated, you know, at Capcom and everyone you know, just dislikes the guy and wants to get rid of him. It's not the case. He just I think he's rubbed some people the wrong way over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of wanted him to take a little bit of a backseat. And I think that the Street Fighter V sales and Marvel versus Capcom kind of the way that took uh, turned out. I think that that kind of gave some of the people the excuse there to maybe move him around a little bit and say, hey, you know what, like, you're really good at certain roles, but maybe th- these other roles you're trying to do, you're not so great at. And and just to just to kind of really quickly run this down here, uh, executive producer roles for Ono have been uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary, Street Fighter V, um, the uh, Street Fighter II version of the Switch, he was the, the producer, uh, Infinite, he was the executive producer. Uh, he's pretty much been the executive producer on Street Fighter since, my goodness, like uh, clear back, I think, in the Street Fighter Four era. Mm. Uh, era, you know, it's um, I think it was uh, somewhere like early into Street Fighter Four's lifespan that he basically became the executive producer, and that's the title he's kept. Mm-hmm. And I think that Ono's understanding fundamentally of game balance and his interviews and other stuff like they generally carry quite a bit of weight within the, the community. Uh, I think it generally gets people hype. Um, Ono is good at some marketing stuff. Um, but just because he's good at those things and he, and he delivers on a pretty good product doesn't necessarily mean that his understanding of all the other aspects of business is at that same level. Yeah. And and that's why I think that Riozo is in the place that he is in now um, because you have someone that generated what he's done with Monster Hunter and, and just, you know, pop that up and it's it, it comes down to me like the right role for the right person um ono's still with the company i think he's still very beloved by some people there i think he does a great job in a number of respects um i just think that again he needed a probably a little bit of a, a change of role to to get back to the success that he's had before so it sounds to me that as far as this change of ono going from head of consumer games development division two to where he's at now um, will this? Will you see any of this and be able to identify? Oh, this is a change that we're seeing because of that. You know, um, changing of the the titles between Ono and Riozo. Uh, I don't think that we'll be able to. So it's like. Well, I will actually will throw out here that something that did happen not that long ago, and, and oftentimes with corporate entities, is um, their messaging gets um, funneled down to the other employees. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of, oh boy, um, I'm kind of referring, referring to some functions here. Mm-hmm. And maybe um, there's a statement of, of, hey, everyone can win at Street Fighter V and other things where it may not necessarily be the exact case of what's going on, but that's kind of the messaging that happens. And the most recent example of that is actually Stuart Turner at Capcom Europe. He gave an interview here and said, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but in some respects, getting very good review scores counts for as much as us getting a game that sells millions. And that, to me, is a night and day. And this interview happened uh, here in August. Um, that, to me, is kind of a night and day difference of of messaging we've heard from Capcom in the past. Like, it's kind of been all about the sales. And I mean, not not that they you know don't want good review scores, but to say that review scores are even more important, like, that's... That's very different messaging that I've that I've ever really heard from Capcom in the in the you know recent history, and that to me like I could be wrong, but that reeks of new um, reeks is probably the bad word uh, wrong word there, but uh, it, it's indicative of of new leadership coming in and saying, hey, look, like I understand how we've done stuff in the past. This is how we're going to do stuff now. We do game uh, high review scores, and the game sales are going to take care of themselves. Mm. Like look at Monster Hunter, the game is highly highly um, reviewed, very well thought of. And then the reviews have are the uh, sales have taken care of themselves, and that to me is in- indicative of that. But you're right; that's it's not it's not like oh, this is concrete proof of, of Riozo's like his fingerprints are all over this. I I don't know that. It's just that's something I would point to as as an example we might be seeing. So as a as a Street Fighter player, as a Capcom fan or or Capcom game player, um, we've heard like what this news isn't, and it isn't Ono's leaving. And it isn't everything's changing and it turned on its head. But like, so not as a journalist, but just as a Capcom game player, what is your takeaway from this? Like, is there anything that you specifically expect to see or or like, how do you digest this information? So I don't like being negative, but I mean, this is, this is a bottom line for me. Um, Games take on, and and companies, and any kind of product, they take on the personality of their leadership. And 
I don't know what the hell has kind of happened with Capcom since Street Fighter 4 came out. Uh, they've had so many botched game launches, and I don't know the exact reasons why that's been the case. But it's pretty much been since Street Fighter 4. Marvel 3 came out with a bad launch. Street Fighter Cross Tekken, bad launch. Street Fighter 5, bad launch. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, bad launch. And it's like, god damn, like, what the hell are you doing? And you can't keep doing this um, and, and and keep messing up on it. And I think that's super indicative of, of needing new leadership of whoever's making those decisions and whoever's, you know, basically uh, dictating uh, the, the quality assurance process of this. Um, and I mean, everyone's put him on blast for that. It's not nothing. That's nothing new. I mean, this, this has been going on now for not a decade, but like, too close to that, you know, what is it, seven or eight years or something now? Um, that's bad. That's really bad. And that speaks to me very heavily of you need new blood in there running the show, understanding fundamentally of what makes games tick and what makes gamers tick and want to do this stuff. And the, the fighting game community is hardcore. And, and I think, again, that Ono understands fundamentally game design very well. Um, you may not like Capcom fighting games like the way they play or you might have your differences with them but the bottom line is they're played in droves by the fighting game community the hardcore scene loves Capcom fighting games for the most part the gameplay you might have your differences with it but it's there for most people and I think Ono has a huge role to play in that uh, and I think he again he just fundamentally understands how to do it but that's quite a bit different than the business side of things and shipping a product that may be incomplete and so I'm, I'm blurring the lines here because I don't know. I don't know how much you know Ono has involved with this, but I do know that having brand new leadership in place creates so many opportunities for things to change now. And and with a shooting star, if you ask me, a, a rock star in this position, I, I'm very excited for Capcom. Uh, I think is a great chance for them to catch up with the Namco Bandai's um, and the other people out there that are that are just making amazing top to bottom products that like the community does not have massive issues with. And again, it. This is nuanced here. Like, I get it. You know, the wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain. Capcom fighting games are under a microscope that few other games are. Yet at the same time, those issues have remained prevalent throughout. So the long-winded answer is I'm very excited by this change, but it's it's totally fine if you're skeptical about it and you're like, what the hell does this even mean? Because I'm not even sure. I, I very much run on the optimist side of things. So, yes. Yeah, and, and then me being not as much of a... Well, not as ingrained into business over the last couple of years and such as you and not being able to read the tea leaves quite as much. My takeaway of it is, uh, well, essentially from what you've laid out here, uh, perhaps in more layman terms, is just that, well, things haven't been going that great on the Capcom front in a lot of significant ways in the last couple of years. Maybe they're about to change. And, uh, and so then that makes me just excited to see like what happens next. And I'm very happy to see that Ono's still doing the things that we as the community saw that he did best, and at least the tangible things that we knew he was doing, which is, you know, making character, you know, hints on Twitter and, and going out and, and, hello everyone, and like showing the, you know, being the Ono character, revealing the characters, we can, getting us all to do the Shoryuken and have those, you know, Kodak moments. Yes, yeah. Like he's still there doing that, and that's great. And so, uh, but hopefully the quality of the games is, you know, better. And, and I hope he still has an input, just maybe uh, in a different place. And, uh, and I think yes. that this is evidence that that very well um, is probably, possibly, probably the case. Yes, it's it's putting Ono and potentially a, a better chance for him to succeed even more than he has in the past and and taking duties potentially off of him that he might not even be comfortable with. This may be a situation where he wasn't so much demoted as he just stepped down. He's like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore, guys. Like, I want a different role here. I'm happy doing this role. And that's normal. That's what a lot of people do. It's uh, not everyone can be Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. you know, and, and some people are you know, perfectly fine being Dennis Rodman or Scotty Pippen. That, yeah. Uh, it was the basketball. I was like, maybe he should just be a forward instead of being a point guard, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can be perfectly happy and, and great. And Ono's beloved in our community. Like, and he should be, he's so much the face of what we identify with and what we love and what we have some issues with in the fighting game community. But, but I'll, I'll kind of turn this around and just say that, that Bandai Namco got the input delay fix done in tech, Tekken seven. And, it wasn't even made to be like that huge of a deal from what we saw. Not, nothing compared to what Street Fighter Five. Well, they was. they saw it, at least the reaction in Street Fighter Five, and were like, "Whoa!" But Bandai has I don't know if the fact that they have a lot slower moves in general um, is is part of that. I, mean, I don't know that necessarily would be, but but you're right. Like it didn't get as much attention as Street Fighter Fives, and they still nipped it in the bud. 
this film nipped it in the bud. And I don't know where this stuff falls on the priority list. Like, there's so much guesswork we have to do here because Capcom doesn't communicate this stuff. And that's an issue. And it's like, okay, like, it's, man, how many times have we talked about, like, guys, like, just communicate what the hell you're doing. And it's like, that hasn't changed. And it's like, okay, well, that finally changed under Riozo. Like, well, he literally put a mandate down, like, look, you're going to hire someone to communicate with the community and they're going to be on top of it and they're going to do this. And maybe that's something that should be done. And if you ask me, it should be. Um, it's, you've got a huge, wonderful community that just does everything up and down to support these games. You should have someone's job who's directly in charge of interfacing with them and communicating what is happening because that's it's what we do, you know, kind of, and like, we're, we're like the unofficial liaison of, of, of Capcom and like relaying this information. And so much of it is speculation. Cause we don't know, like we, we just have to go from behind the scenes information that we know and stuff like that. But anyway, my point is th- this, there's a lot of stuff that could change and it, you have every right to be skeptical and just wonder like, what the hell is going to happen? Like, like catalyst is saying like, you know, Rios is going to be a rock star and all that other stuff. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I just, it's the impression I get from them. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that, that this, really puts the quality of life improvements that we are heavily looking for and been wanting to see because we're starting to see that now we're starting to see little things come up like hey do you want to do a replay of of you know that the match you just played um in street fighter 5 like and ranked you know like play it with these characters it's like it's such a small thing but it saves me like 20 seconds of time and it's like oh thank you capcom like you're saving me time like you're you're respecting like that i'm putting time into your game and you're saying hey like here you go here's something else to make your quality of life even better um, now maybe you could do something about the load times. You know, maybe it could not take like a minute. You know, to, to go load up, and that's what I'm hoping for. That's like this the stuff that we keep bringing up, and, and that is such a big deal for the finding community. Maybe now they can get it fixed. And uh, lastly, I'll just I'll, I'll kind of throw out a few factors here, like in terms of like, hey, Monster Hunter selling 8.3 million copies. I know we've never mentioned that fact before, and that's <laughs> the first time we brought it up on the podcast. But that that does replenish the coffers at Capcom. And, and and that gives them more resources and stuff to work with. And so there's a lot of things happening here. Uh, we won't know where to attribute all this stuff, but as we do find more information, as we're able to talk to Capcom and figure out who's in charge of this stuff, what's happening there, we will let you guys know. Um, but we wanted to do a podcast just to unpack what we've found so far, because as you guys can hear, you know, we're up on you know this discussion for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes here. Um, there was so much more to unpack and to kind of get in here and, and just really like examine what's happening here in the fighting game community. Uh, the potential here is huge. And then it's Capcom. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe I should not have my hopes up this high. Maybe I should be much more grounded and be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, that's great. Catalyst, but you're still an idiot. And that's like, okay, well that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that before. Like I just, I go on Twitter and I can see a row of that, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, I have fingers that, crossed though for, well, specific, yeah. like obviously Capcom is doing pretty good right now with like having set a brand new record for their best selling game. And that's gotta be good for them internally and such. Hopefully that does trickle or we are seeing it trickle down into the fighting game department. And specifically with Street Fighter V, I really am hoping that, uh, one, the the quality of life in the menus continues to develop and we get, like, you know, um, what is it, less uh, uh, load times and things like that. It's just yeah. more fun to navigate the, the menus, but more so... It would be amazing, even at this stage, if you could reduce the input lag, if you could, you know, minimize what about the just the just do it moves um, that you know kind of mm-hmm. makes the game feel more random or guessy. And uh, and, and I mean, if they're going to do an entire other season, which I my guess is that they will, they've said that they're going to support it through 2020. I don't know about 2020, but most likely for 2019. Um, I would hope that those things are attended to as well. And um, but so I'm I'm looking at it with some optimism. I'm going to be along for the ride and such. But I'm definitely feeling kind of like beaten down right now as a as a Capcom, yeah. uh, as a Street Fighter Five player. And so, uh, but hey, this is maybe the change that we've been hoping um, to see, and we're going to see some uh, some of the stuff that we've really been asking for for a long time. Right. It, it, it's uh, something I'll, I'll remind people to just go back and listen to the Born Free podcast that, that you did um, with Mark. And you guys talk about like even leveling up like without like winning, you know, like, hey, I leveled my character up and I got more cosmetic, you know, stuff, aesthetic, like things to add on. And like there's so many ways to peel the apple here for Capcom to make the game fun even outside of winning. You know, and I, even from a gameplay standpoint, just like there's there's so many other examples with, you know, Fortnite, League of Legends, uh, Hearthstone, uh, Heroes of the Storm, which you've been playing. Like there's so many ways to, to do this. And I hope we see more of that kind of going forward. Uh, and again, start with the load times and input delay. 
just start with it. Just get rid of those. <laughs> and just that's something everyone talks about. Just start there, uh, get that done, and then like build on top of that, and everyone will be thrilled. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, coming along with us for this portion of the ride. Hope you learned something. Uh, like, comment, review, all that good stuff. Please, you know, uh, go take some time to uh, go on iTunes and leave us a review. It's very, very important. And thank you so much um, for the continued support for those of you that have been coming back and telling your friends. We're seeing better and better uh, results and numbers on this, and so that encourages us to keep on doing it. Uh, we'd really like to flesh this podcast out as much as we can, maybe even extend to doing it more often and such, but we can't do that without you guys. Um, so again, thank you so much for those of you that have been along for the ride thus far. Welcome those of you that are just jumping in for the first time, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. All right. See you guys soon. <laughs>